Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This episode is a bit of a different one. We're actually going to give you the recording from a live YouTube uh, episode that we did talking about a number of different changes in the search world um, that are really, really interesting this week and also talking about some exciting changes for MHC. Um, it was really cool doing a live episode. There are a few hiccups with it being live um, and there are a few places where some slides are shared. So uh, if you go to our newsletter episode, episode 100 of Search News, you can use at mariehaines.com slash newsletter, you'll find an embedded video that goes along with this recording. You should still get a lot out of it, though, if you're just listening to the audio. Thanks and enjoy. All right, I think we did it. Thank you to everybody who's coming here to this episode, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is a live episode, um, and you can see that we're here in our office, um, and behind me is my staff. You can see some of them. I don't know. They all don't want to be on screen. Hello, everybody. <laughs> We had a few technical difficulties getting this stream working. Um, maybe, can you tell me, is it working now? Is it live? All right, we're good. We're good. Okay, good. So what we're going to do today is cover a lot of things. Those of you who are newsletter subscribers, you'll know that, um, and if you listen to podcasts, pretty much every week what I do is just sort of ramble on about what's changed in SEO uh, and then uh, advise people to come to our newsletter. You can get to the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And this is the 100th episode. We've got, uh, you know, we're having a big party here in the office, although it's been really dampened by YouTube acting up, so hopefully everything is good. Um, so let's uh, let's get started. We've got some slides here, and we're going to see how those work. In this episode, we're going to go over some tips uh, from past, letters, uh, past newsletter episodes. Each of my staff has picked out their favorite tips, and so we're going to talk about that. I know a lot of you really, really want to uh, hear our thoughts on this new uh, nofollow information from Google, and so we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the changes in the quality raters guidelines that happened just a few days ago. Um, we'll also talk about the uh, what's going on with medical sites. Um, we have some more information on the June 3rd update. And if you run a health site, especially in alternative medicine, you're really going to want to pay attention to uh, what we're saying in this episode. Um, so let's see uh, how well we can get along here. Um, okay, good. Are you seeing my slides? Yes. There's a delay. Okay. Um, so, and again, my apologies for the, uh, the YouTube changed absolutely everything in how you go live. And so we've been at it for a few hours now and we're finally getting it. Um, we are going to uh, be giving away uh, some newsletter subscriptions later on. And so we'll talk about that uh, later on uh, as well. Um, so as we do with every episode of Search News You Can Use when we do the podcast, we talk about what has happened in terms of algorithm updates. And this is actually significant because um, this is how the newsletter first got started. So years ago, and I should have looked up the actual date, I think it was probably 2013, maybe 2014. Um, I was super interested in what Penguin was doing, what Panda was doing, and I started an email list where I could basically tell people, uh, hey, if you want to know if Panda's updated, then I'll send you an email whenever it updates. And then as Google kind of moved away from very standard Panda and Penguin updates, uh, I started adding in, well, we think that the algorithm um, you know, changed and there was uh, some sort of a core update, or perhaps there was a link-related update. Um, and then we started adding in, 
or I started adding in a little bit more news here and there, and it sort of evolved into this newsletter. We used to do it um, on a biweekly basis, and now it's every single week. And this has been the most amazing thing because when I first started this, it was a way for me to keep on top of what the SEO industry was doing and what was new. And then as I hired staff, it was a really great way to train new staff. Um, all of the staff behind me have, have trained by uh, writing newsletter, by uh, figuring out what is it that uh, that Google has done um, in the last week, in the last couple of weeks even. So on uh, September 4th of uh, 2019, there probably was a very mild quality update. We used to write about every single tweak that we thought was significant. Um, a lot of people have asked me, how do I know that Google updated? And we can't say 100% for sure that this is what happened. Um, but what we do is we look at all of the sites that we have access to. We keep an eye on uh, what Barry Schwartz is saying on Search Engine Roundtable. We keep an eye on all sorts of forums. Um, and then we also have our own email where uh, if people, if there's an update, often we get tons of emails from people saying, what happened? I, I need to know. Um, and so September 4th, we noticed that a good number of our sites saw either increases or decreases, um, but not super significant. And uh, in in so we're going to call this a tweak to quality, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. Those of you who listened to podcast last week, uh, the audio version, because we don't always do the uh, live version video, um, I talked about a possible link-related update, and I think that this really has happened. Uh, and so I think we'll talk a little bit more about this um, right now. Uh, so it used to be, you know, when Penguin came out, Google would do very specific, oh, we reran Penguin or we updated Penguin, and it was super obvious. Uh, and now what we're seeing is, you know, Google hasn't told us that there's a link update. Um, but what we see is when we're looking at our analytics, a good number of the clients that we have recommended disavow work for saw significant changes uh, in between August 22nd and August 29th of 2019. Um, this uh, next slide is um, a client of ours that we did a site quality review for, and we recommended five filing a disavow. Now, they actually went and did their own disavow. Uh, they did not have us do a link audit. Um, but certainly, uh, a few days after that, so we were seeing, actually a couple weeks after that, we're seeing a little bit of an increase. Not dramatic. But we have other clients that look like this. Um, and this is fantastic. Now, this client, we have done a lot of work for. We've done uh, a site quality review um, and a number of other things. However, we reached out to them to say, hey, something dramatic is changing. You know, could this be seasonal? Could it be a viral spike of uh, people coming to your site? And they actually have not implemented, um, I, as far as I know, any of the quality uh, things that we have recommended at this point. It's sort of in the queue to happen. Um, so this is a really interesting case that we filed a disavow, and, uh, and then now the site is seeing massive improvements. Now, it could be because of the disavow. It could be other things. It could be that Google has just reassessed what they consider to be high quality, and this site now is on the right side of that. Um, but we have several other cases where uh, this seems to be happening that we filed the disavow, and these sites do not have manual actions. Oh, and I see people asking, where are the slides? Uh, you're not seeing the slides, are you? Oh, dear. Ah, oh, that changes things. Gosh, technical difficulties. Um, yeah, can, are you able to share slides in the chat? I don't know. This is going to change the whole presentation. I'm so sorry, guys. We'll, uh, let's see here. Oh, wait. I think I might have done it. Okay. All right. Let me know in a minute. 
<laughs> if you can see the slides, we'll get through this. Um, okay, so uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back then and show the previous slide because you guys didn't see that. All right, good, good. Okay, so um, this is the site that we had recommended filing a disavow. Uh, they had a number of um, keyword anchored links in articles that were on, you know, semi reputable sites. Uh, and so they went ahead and did their own disavow. And we think that the changes that they're seeing, the increases are related to uh, Google having more trust in their link profile now. And then this next site is um, um, a site that the one I was talking about where we actually did the link audit. Uh, and we filed, gosh, I can't remember how many domains were in this disavow, but there were at least a thousand. There, there were quite a few. Um, and so this site is seeing really nice improvements. Now, like I said, we have other sites that uh, are following this pattern, but what's most interesting is uh, sites like this. Um, these are sites that we did a review for this site and we said, look, we, you don't have a manual action, but we feel that you have unnatural links and you should be disavowing them. And then they didn't go ahead with the disavow for multiple reasons. Uh, and so these sites are seeing drops in conjunction with this time period between August 22nd and uh, August 29th of 2019. So, uh, we can't say with 100% certainty that this was a link-related update. And you know what's funny is when I prepared these slides that now everybody is seeing, <laughs> um, we didn't have the information about Google potentially treating links differently. And I'm just thinking about this right now, that this could be a factor that, um, that plays into this. So, uh, I'll come back to you on that. You know, I think we'll have to think more about that um, in the weeks to come. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about disavowing later on, but we've got a whole whack of stuff to get through in this newsletter. And one of the things that uh, we really want to do is talk about some of our past episodes uh, because there are some really, really good tips for SEO. If you are a newsletter subscriber, um, we have, uh, you know that we have two versions of newsletter, free and paid. And uh, the paid version has a lot of extra stuff in it. So this week for our 100th episode, the paid version is totally free to everybody. Um, so again, mariehaines.com slash newsletter, and you can see the link to uh, episode number 100. Um, so we asked each of the staff to go back and pick their favorite tips uh, from the past 100 episodes. And so I'm going to start off with my own tip. Uh, episode one, I had envisioned newsletter, and this is episode one of the actual not just, hey, Penguin updated but I had envisioned newsletter as having these challenges in it and I created a challenge to try to get more featured snippets uh, and so I wrote an article with very thorough um, information on you know this might work and if you change this this could work uh, and then I showed you in great detail how uh, I actually made changes on a site that I run and then started winning some featured snippets and it was really cool to see that other people did this challenge as well uh, and won some featured snippets. Now the featured snippet algorithm is changing all the time. Um, and so some of the stuff that's in that first episode, uh, you know, may not work as well today. And there can be other things. But I would really encourage you to uh, to take a look at that. Um, because really, featured snippets, in most cases, if you win them, they're a good thing for your site. And then the next tip that I'm really happy about was when we started doing a page speed series. So there are all sorts of documents written online about how to improve your page speed. We know that page speed is a ranking factor. Um, it's a confirmed by Google that if you have a faster site on mobile, uh, that you could potentially rank better. Um, actually, that's not true. That's not true. 
if you have a slow site on mobile, you could rank worse, um, which means that you still want to have a fast site. And so what I found was that all of the information that was written online was very, very technical um, and challenging for me to understand. And so in this series, it starts in episode 11 um, and then goes on to uh, explain very simple things that you can change. If you have a WordPress site, there are plugins that are, we talk about. Um, and as I implement different changes, I show you the difference that it made in our own site um, in uh, loading faster. So that was one of uh, my favorite parts of newsletter. Now, I want to we're going to jump back and forth a whole bunch here. I should mention, though, again, for newsletter, if you are a paid member, you can go back and look at all of these episodes, all first uh, 100 episodes. And if you become a paid member today, you can as well. Um, let's talk about rel no follow. Uh, this is something that, um, you know, has been big, big news. <laughs> uh, and it just broke yesterday afternoon. So here are my thoughts on uh, rel no follow. Um, first of all, just in case anybody's not familiar with what happened, Google made an announcement uh, yesterday that there are some new attributes that we can use. So no follow right now means that you don't want Google to follow this link. So if I have a link and I'm pointing to a site that is uh, a site that maybe I don't trust, um, maybe it's a paid link, maybe somebody has paid me. I mean, that we don't do that with our site, but perhaps if somebody has paid you to put a link in your article, uh, that link should be no followed. Similarly, no follow is there for uh, comments. If you run a website with comments, you know what it's like to get comment spam. Uh, people all the time leave links in your comments so that they can create links back to their website. And so Google created this idea of no followed links to say, look, I'm putting a link in my website, but I don't want those signals from the link or the page rank or anything to flow through these links. Now, um, what Google announced yesterday is that there are additional things we can add on top of no follow. Um, and so instead of no follow, we could have rel equals sponsored or rel equals UGC, which stands for user generated content. The frustrating thing, though, is that Google has not given us really any good reason to be implementing these things. Um, if you remember when uh, authorship came out and Google had us all um, link to our Google Plus profile and implement all of these things so that we could uh, have authorship, there was a benefit to websites for that, um, kind of a vain benefit, uh, but we would get our pictures in the search results. So if there was an article that was authored by me, I would see my face next to the search results. Um, um, and there are other things that Google has said, well, you know, we're making this change. And as a business owner, you look at it and go, okay, well, if Google is considering this a sign of quality, then we should be doing this. With this change, it's unclear to me what the benefit to the site owner is. Now, let's take a step back and talk about what the benefit to Google could be. So what Danny Sullivan from Google said is that um, not much is going to change. No follow is still, for the most part, no follow. Um, but you, if you want to, you can add these sponsored and UGC uh, tags. Um, and the way I understand it is no follow is now going to be a suggestion to Google and not a uh, complete directive. Um, and does that mean that all of a sudden we should start leaving comment spam so we can build links to our website? Of course not. Um, but I do think that it means that Google could start counting some of the links uh, that are coming from nofollowed uh, sites. Uh, so say, for example, um, CNN.com did a big story on SEO, and they uh, recommended our company. <clears throat> and linked out to our company with a, a no-followed link. 
in the past, we would say, well, this is good because it's good for entity recognition. We'll come back to that actually uh, a bit further on in the broadcast. Um, but entity recognition is just one thing. It doesn't pass page rank. And so, um, you know, in the past, if CNN linked to me, I'd be very happy about that. Uh, but because it's a no-followed link, I would wish that it was followed. I believe that Google is recognizing, look, we want to trust recommendations from experts. And most of the large publishers now have all no-followed links. So this is a way where Google can say, look, if we trust that this is a, a trustworthy publisher, it's an authoritative link, they would actually like to count that link. That's, that's my thought. Um, and I think that we're going to see that uh, if you get a mention in an authoritative site, that it actually could count for more. Um, and that doesn't mean we should all start stepping up on doing extreme amounts of guest posting and, uh, and, and paid placements and, and things like that. Um, because I think Google would only do this if they feel really, really comfortable that they can determine uh, which of those no-followed links are actually true recommendations for your website. Because that's the type of link that Google actually wants to count, right, is links that are recommendations. So should we be implementing, uh, when should we implement sponsored and rel equals UGC? I think there's no harm in doing it. I don't know if there's any benefit to the site owner though. And maybe this is something we can talk about in the chat and uh, have further discussion on. Um, I think from this point on, if you know, maybe that's something, I'm sure people will come out with WordPress plugins so we can very quickly uh, mark our comment links as um, user generated content. I think those will be automatically ignored by Google. I think that anything marked as sponsored will be automatically ignored by Google. And then I think if you have no followed links, it's up to Google to decide whether they want to count it. Um, I'm not sure what more I can say on the subject now. There's more stuff in newsletter. Um, if, you, uh, if you go to the 100th episode, we've basically written down everything that a Googler has said on the subject. Uh, there are things to know, such as you can't use these new link attributes in your xrobots file. Um, and you can't use them in the head of your document either. So right now you can have, uh, I believe you can still have a meta tag in the head of your document that says that every um, link on the page is no followed but you can't have a meta tag at the head of your document to say every link on the page is sponsored. So uh, that's all we know at the moment um, on this and hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll get more information soon. It's really confusing and people are even saying, you know, okay, so if I run an affiliate site, should my links to affiliate content be marked as sponsored? Probably, but if you're, no following them, I don't see what the difference is. So um, anyways, we'll have more on that as the search community discusses it more. Uh, I think is a really interesting change. I don't think it changes that much. I think some sites that are truly getting natural mentions may see some improvements in search, um, but I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on from that uh, at this point and hopefully get back to with more at another time. I want to talk about our tips. So our first tip is from Callum, who um, uh, is one of our site auditors. And uh, he went back to episode 43 of the newsletter for this tip. And um, uh, talking about structured data. And the reason why we had a good team discussion about this is a lot of people will come to us and say, uh, I'm not seeing my rich snippets appear in the search results. So let's say you've done all of this work to mark up your website so that you get review stars when somebody is searching for this page. Um, and you're not seeing them in the search results. Well, there's really three possible reasons for that to happen. Um, one is that you have not done it technically correct. Um, you know, one is that it just doesn't make sense. 
events. Maybe you've put review markup on something that isn't even a product. Um, and then the third thing that people really uh, don't notice all the time is that the website needs to be considered high quality. So if you have lost your review snippets, and there's been an algorithm update, a core algorithm update, or you know, all of us as uh, SEOs that monitor algorithm updates are saying something's happening and you just lost your review snippets, it could be that there is a quality issue with your website because Google only wants to give these uh, to websites that they consider high quality. The next tip from Callum is um, anytime that Bill Swalski writes about the knowledge graph. Uh, we have been paying really close attention to this, and there's probably too much for me to describe in uh, the time that we have for newsletter here. Um, the knowledge graph is really this collection of entities. And so um, I'm an entity, you're an entity, our website is an entity, your topics are entities. And we really believe that a lot of what Google is doing these days is connecting entities, is saying, hey, this is an entity that we consider authoritative, and this entity is recommending this entity, um, and they can know that those are trustworthy then. Uh, and so learning about the knowledge graph is fascinating stuff. And uh, we don't talk a whole lot about it in our teachings because a lot of it is theory that we're still sort of developing. But I really would encourage you to um, read everything that Bill Swalski writes, read about new patents that Google has. We know that just because Google has a patent doesn't mean that it's necessarily in the algorithm, um, but there's still an awful lot that we can learn. So speaking of this, let's talk about what Google is doing with alternative health sites. Um, and I'm talking about sites that deal with alternative medicines. So if you have a, a site that sells essential oils or that recommends natural treatments for um, some type of condition that normally is not treated with natural medicine, you've probably noticed that things are not going so well <laughs> in terms of Google rankings. Um, and so we noticed on June 3rd, we know there was a, an update June 3rd um, that was a core update. And uh, we noticed that a huge number of health sites saw big, big drops in Google organic traffic. Now, I've written an article um, about this. You can get to it at uh, mariehaines.com slash scientific consensus with a hyphen in the middle there. Um, and it's talking about how Google could determine whether a website is in line with scientific consensus. Now, whenever I talk about this, my goal is not to put down alternative medicine sites. I think there are some good sites out there that have some fantastic information. But the reality is that there are a lot of bad sites out there uh, that are either scamming people or providing information that's not safe. Um, so the quality raters guidelines, and we've talked so many times, I'm not gonna go into detail about why they're important. If, you, if you're not familiar with the quality raters guidelines, um, just Google Marie Haynes and quality raters guidelines, you'll find all sorts of information that I've written on this. Um, the quality raters guidelines talk about uh, the fact in many, many places that if medical content is not in line with scientific consensus, then it's to be seen as potentially untrustworthy. And um, actually not even potentially untrustworthy if it's not in line with scientific consensus. Now, um, people would say, well, Google is just an algorithm, and Google is not here to determine trust. I mean, who is it for Google to determine that this treatment is equally as good as this treatment, or that this treatment is a scam? Um, and Danny Sullivan from Google has said, look, the algorithms are not out there to determine trust. Um, however, there's something really interesting in uh, Google had a document on how they fight fake news, how they fight disinformation appearing on the web. And uh, they actually talk about this where uh, they say they're not trying to determine the trustworthiness of every 
single piece of content that we put on the web. But they're trying to see how it is in line with, um, with what other experts say. And we think that Google could absolutely do this with a program. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into technical details. I don't even know the technical details. Um, but we do think it's possible. So here's a theory that we have. And you can find this in our article on scientific consensus. The quality raters guidelines talk a lot uh, about telling the quality raters to look at the title of a page. Um, and they talk about clickbaity titles. Now, um, not all of the sites that saw drops have clickbaity titles. But if the quality raters are told to look to see whether there's a clickbaity title, then it's possible that Google's algorithms are as well. Um, or at least trying to figure out what the title is offering. So let's say the example that we gave in our article is um, not a client of ours, but somebody who uh, has a website that has a page that used to rank really well for the term kidney cleanse. Um, and they sell products where they are um, recommending kidney cleanses. Uh, if you, so it would be very easy for Google to take the information on that page, whether they take the title tag, whether they take um, the text on the page, they could use natural language processing to determine this page is about kidney cleanses, it's on a health topic, maybe they determine this page is actually selling products uh, on this page as well. That gives Google a lot of information and it would not be hard for an algorithm or a program to take that page and say, look, this page is claiming that this product will help cleanse your kidneys or will help with some sort of a health issue. Well, they've got a knowledge graph, which we've just talked about, right, of all of these different entities. And kidneys are an entity. I would imagine kidney cleanses could be an entity. Um, we don't know how granular uh, this the knowledge graph gets into, but probably it is. So if you want to determine what's in the knowledge graph, do some searches. Um, we know that Google, Google has a, a list of trusted medical sites that they trust, and those include things like Mayo Clinic, uh, WebMD. Um, we often see that Healthline ranks really well, so Google must trust Healthline. Um, so if you do a search, so if you say, do kidney cleanses work, and you do a search for this, you'll get information from Healthline that says no. There's no evidence that shows that they work. You'll get information in Wikipedia, which Google trusts, to say uh, there's really no evidence that this works. Um, it would not be hard for Google's algorithms to say the title tag of this page is claiming this medical thing, and our knowledge uh, graph does not make that same claim. And let's say that that happens across many, many pages of a website then that's probably seen as a sign of, of low quality. And your website maybe has several pages that are talking on these subjects that really are not in line with what a traditional physician or you know, whatever is the, um, seen as the traditional practitioner in your area would say. Um, and so the article that we uh, wrote gives some ideas on how we can combat this. Uh, we are in the process of creating a white paper um, for our clients. If you are a client of ours and we have reviewed your health site, then one of our team members will be reaching out to you in the next couple of weeks probably uh, with this white paper that talks about very specific ways that we think we can combat some of this. Now, if your site um, is solely existing to prove something, uh, you know, the example that's given in the Quality Raiders Guidelines is is a little bit dramatic uh, saying carrots cure cancer. You know, if the whole purpose of your site is to say, look, forget about natural medicine, 
uh, for sorry, forget about traditional medicine and uh, just eat carrots and you'll be cured of cancer, then it's going to be very hard to rank on Google again. And I think some of these sites need to look at other um, ways to rank. But if you have just parts of your site that potentially could be seen as contradicting scientific consensus, we do think that there are ways that you can separate that out. Um, and uh, there are other things that you can do to help improve the level of trust overall. So I'm going to leave it at that because I know this is not interesting to all of you, um, but certainly if you do have a health site, uh, you want to check out that article. Let's move on to some tips again here. This next tip is from Matt. You can see over my shoulder. Hi, Matt. He's not waving. There you go. <laughs> um, this tip was uh, from Pedro Diaz uh, from Twitter. And what we do often in newsletter is when every one of you tweets out really cool things like, hey, I tested this and it works, or here's a really neat thing, uh, we take note of that. And if there's something we feel we should share with our readers, we put that in newsletter. Um, this might seem kind of basic, but I think a lot of SEOs miss this thing, that we look at things. Um, this chart basically says, you know, SEOs, we tend to look at, is the site findable? Is it usable? Is it accessible? Um, and then the things on the top of that chart there are, is it desirable? useful, credible. Uh, and I think Google's getting much better at determining this type of thing. You know, we, we, for years and years, we sort of focused on how can we convince Google that our site is good? And I think we should be shifting our mindset to say, like, how can we actually have the best site? Um, how can we convince users of that? So I really liked that tip. And the second tip from Matt is uh, talking again about how to test your uh, structured data. Um, this is really important in the age of mobile-first indexing. If your site um, has been moved to mobile-first indexing, actually, it's important for everybody because if you haven't been moved to mobile-first indexing, that's going to happen. Um, and so uh, if you do not have your structured data implemented properly on your mobile site, it's going to stop working once you get moved to mobile-first indexing. I actually had that question from somebody on Twitter today, and I think that could potentially be the case. It wasn't structured data. They were seeing some weird things with their meta descriptions. And I think it's possible that perhaps they've been moved to mobile-first indexing and, um, um, you know, Google, uh, maybe that information's only on the desktop version uh, of their site. Let's uh, jump back into the news. Um, some of you may have missed this in the midst of all of the Google announcements, but old Search Console is officially gone now. Uh, if you try to go to, it used to be webmaster something or other dot en, um, and uh, that's gone. It'll redirect you to new Search Console. It's confusing though because uh, there are a bunch of um, reports that are still in old Search Console and you have to know how to get to them. Um, this was not in new Search Console as of a couple of days ago and they've just added it. So in the left sidebar for new Search Console, there is a dropdown for legacy tools and reports. And if you are trying to find any of these things, um, actually there are some that are not in there because the robots.txt tester is in there too. So know that there are still some things that have not migrated over. Um, we do most of our work in new Search Console now, but if you are looking for old Search Console, uh, then that's, um, that's how you find it. Google's also got some, I think if you click that learn more link, there will be links to the robots.txt tester and others as well. Let's move on to some more tips. So this tip comes from Alec, who you, you probably, oh yeah, no one. I had Matt wave and we're showing slides. Never mind, you guys are off the hook. <laughs> I should not be responsible for any technical 
uh, YouTube stuff. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about Alex Tip. And really, this was this was cool. John Mueller, uh, a few months ago, gosh, it's coming up. Yeah, it's a while now. Um, tweeted and he said, hey, we're going to do a live help hangout at, um, in New York City and if anybody wants to join us. So I jumped on a plane and I had never met John. And John, you know, we, we love him so much. Uh, he just gives us so many tips for things that, um, you know, we can either use as discussion points or um, put into our reports, things like that. Uh, and I actually asked John this question before we went live. Um, so he had time to think about his answer. And what I asked him was whether there was any point in filing a disavow these days unless you had a manual action. And what John told us was that there still are ways for links to hurt a site algorithmically. And that's really important. So in the past, we would use the disavow tool for sites that had ultra spammy links. Like if you had um, directory links that were really low quality, things like that. And uh, the ultra spammy links are, um, you know, we still disavow them these days, but these are not the ones that we think can hurt a site algorithmically. Um, what John was saying is if it looks to the algorithms like there are links there that are um, there for manipulating search results and they're actually working to manipulate your rankings, then Google might decide to just put less trust in all of your links overall. So I showed you at the beginning um, of this presentation uh, some sites where we have done a disavow. And what we've done is essentially say, look, these links that were made for SEO purposes, we don't want you to count them in these types of calculations. Uh, and that these sites are now seeing improvements. So this was really uh, a big thing when John um, actually confirmed our thoughts on disavowing. The next thing that Alec uh, put in there has been a really uh, challenging thing for us as well is Google retiring rel equals previous and next. Um, because many of you as well, I'm sure, have been recommending to your clients uh, using rel prev and next and now Google's not. And so um, I'm not going to go into great detail about um, what that means, you can look back at episode 76 and uh, go into our thoughts on that. But um, we've had back and forth discussions on whether we should still be using RELPREV and NEXT uh, or whether it's, it's actually not worthwhile. So there's a good discussion in episode 76 on that. We'll jump into a little tip here. So if you're new to newsletter, one of the things that we often do is just include little tips as they come up. This is not new Google news, uh, but it was a question that came up on Twitter. Uh, I think Mike King um, was asking about this, and then I uh, saw it and said, oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a, a document on that. It was in newsletter. Um, so what Mike was asking was, do you really need to have rel a canonical tag in the head of your document, or will Google recognize it in the body? And Google's actually got documentation that says they will not recommend uh, recognize a canonical tag in the body of your document. So if you're struggling with getting your canonical tags um, recognized, it may be that you're using some type of code that has the tag in the body. Uh, something to look at for sure. We'll move on to our next tip, and this is from Dylan. Um, and uh, Dylan uh, told us about this video from Kevin Indig. Um, Kevin has a fantastic video. Uh, again, you can find it in episode 78, uh, talking about entities. And uh, it is really, really fascinating. I think I've talked a little bit about this already. Um, we really would encourage you, if you're trying to learn how Google works, how Google could be determining quality, and how Google could take the information from the quality raters guidelines and actually make algorithms out of it, um, reading more about entity content is, is, is key for sure. 
And uh, the next tip from Dylan is the tip I always give when I'm at a conference and somebody says, what's your number one tip is read the quality raters guidelines. We give you all sorts of tips um, whenever we see something new in the guidelines. And I'm actually going to be talking in a minute uh, in this broadcast about what's changed um, in the quality raters guidelines. But uh, even just reading them yourself is really, really important. Uh, when the quality of Raiders guidelines changed just a few days ago, I read the whole thing over again. I, I've probably read them at least 100 times. And there were so many things I was putting in our team Slack channel saying, hey, I didn't realize it said this. This could be a sign of quality. Um, and so even though I've read them so many times, I'm still finding new things in there. One thing I would... Uh, recommend for you if you don't want to read all 160 plus pages of the quality raters guidelines is to focus on the examples so google gives several examples and says this site is to be considered high quality because of this or low quality because of this uh, and often they'll have examples from specific niches so for example if you run a recipe site there are several examples that talk about recipe sites that are high or low quality so i would definitely recommend doing that so with that in mind let's talk about what has changed in the uh, quality Raiders guidelines. Um, we have information in newsletter. We were going to make this its own article, and uh, again, it's in both free. Well, actually, there is no paid version uh, this week, so the hundredth episode of newsletter has these outlined uh, quite a bit. One of the things um, that has changed in the quality raters guidelines is there appears to be an emphasis on um, um, understanding uh, unique content, uh, and so. Um, We've always said there's been something in the quality raters guidelines for a while now talking about copied content and whether uh, copied content is copied word for word or whether it's sort of similar to something that's already out there. The new guidelines have words that basically say, look, if there's content from a news source, why would users want to read? Is there stuff in there that is original reporting that they can't find elsewhere? This is really important because um, a lot of sites, even our own site, I mean, our newsletter, we are rehashing the news. We're rehashing news that you could read on Search Engine Roundtable, you could read on Twitter, um, and it's not just enough to say, hey, we've got all the news in one place, so Google, you should rank this. Because if Google, if people are searching for stories, you know, why would they want to find our rehash of the news? So what we always try to do in most cases is add our own take on things, um, add more information, add stuff from our own private conversations, add stuff from our own personal experience with um, these types of SEO things. And uh, so if you're reporting on the news, it's going to become important now to be um, not just unique in terms of, uh, you know, something where a machine could say, oh, there's new words in this document that are not, um, but instead uh, to actually be providing actual value to users. And I anticipate that we're going to be seeing some algorithm updates in the future that probably will demote sites even more uh, that don't have uh, very much original content. There's also some interesting wording in the document uh, now about images. They actually suggest that high quality images and unique images are to be seen as high quality and videos as well. Now we have always maintained that it's perfectly fine to use stock photography in um, your documents. Uh, I don't think that if you use stock photography, Google is going to be saying, oh, you're low quality. But I do think that if you have unique images, you have a better chance of actually ranking well um, in image search. Uh, and that's something that is significant. Um, no, I don't think I have a slide on this. I thought I did. If you do a search, so remember we talked about these medical sites um, that are seeing drops. If you do a search for some of these alternative medicine terms, 
you'll see that the top results organically are all Healthline, WebMD, the big giants that we trust and we know. Um, but if you do image search, you'll see that uh, a lot of these natural medicine sites are still ranking really well. So we've been sort of using this, um, you know, recommending to our clients, hey, for now, let's try to see how we can take advantage of image search. Um, and you can check your Google Analytics to see, are you actually getting visitors from image search? Uh, and, you know, but I think that's going to change. I think that we're going to find um, that Google is getting better in image search at recognizing uh, whether an image is unique, helpful, and trustworthy as well, whether it comes from a trustworthy source. There's new information in the Quality Raiders Guidelines as well about the definition of YMYL. It seems that they're sort of relaxing it a bit where uh, sports, uh, games, a lot of things that are kind of on the fence as to whether they could be YMYL are no longer to be considered YMYL, or maybe they never were. It's hard to say. Um, so we've got more in newsletter on that. Um, there may be a couple of other changes as well uh, that are coming up, but we really think uh, that Google is going to be focusing on original reporting, um, originality, and just really, really providing value to users that they can't find elsewhere. So let's move on to our next tip, and this next tip comes from Cassie. Um, Cassie has been uh, fantastic to have for medical sites. Cassie's got a, a medical background um, as well as me, and so we uh, we really, really enjoy digging into what is happening with medical sites in, in Google's search uh, results. And when um, Bill Swalski wrote about PageRank patent getting updated to include trust sites uh, or inc include trust elements, this was really fascinating for us. And so we have all sorts of discussions about, uh, hey, Google did this thing, and then Bill wrote about it, and then what do we think is happening? This idea of trusted seed pages is fascinating to me. I spoke at PubCon Vegas, I think that was two years ago actually now, um, talking about links, uh, maybe that was last year, it's hard to say. Um, I think, I have a theory that Google only wants to count links from trusted sites. Uh, and we talked about how, you know, they can have these trusted seed sites, which are, um, you know, we would say, okay, Harvard or the New York Times is probably a trusted seed site. And if you get linked to from these seed sites, then uh, you will find that um, those links actually matter. But that doesn't scale well, right? Because new industries can emerge and what are the trusted seed sites for those? Um, hard to say. So, um, if, uh, so what we think is that Google does this with EAT. And if they want to trust the links pointing to your site, they will trust the links that come from sites with good EAT. And now with this, I'm just thinking of this now as I'm saying this, with this new change in how they assess no followed links, this could play into this. It may be that Google was only links that were followed from sites with good EAT. Now maybe Google's saying, look, if a link is not marked as sponsored or UGC and it's from a site that has high EAT, then it's probably one that we want to count. Um, and so, uh, um, you know, we're going to be keeping an eye on that. And uh, this other tip from Cassie is about um, um, people who want to point unnatural links at your site and then redirect them to your own. Um, and we're not saying here that this was a tip that we recommend doing, uh, but the point is we get questions all the time from people who say, I had this idea, I want to do this, I want to buy this expired domain and link to my website. Um, and there are so many things, Google's just on top of most of those tricks. I used to stay fairly um, 
up with black hat forums uh, because a lot of these tricks were still working and we would decide, you know, is it ethical? Is it moral? Maybe it's something that we could try. Um, but really now, uh, if you're trying to use tricks to rank, there are still some people out there that can do it in some niches, but I would not recommend it for sure. Um, let's uh, talk about another SEO tip. Uh, are you having issues with the test live URL feature in Google Search Console? I put this in here because it happens to us all the time. So if you use Search Console and you're trying to test the live URL, you're basically running a fetch and render of that page. And uh, we've been having issues with some sites now where we'll get errors back on the page. So it'll say, oh, it's not mobile friendly. And then we test it again the next day and it is mobile friendly and we haven't changed anything. Um, it's buggy. So I'm just putting that in there to say uh, that this is, uh, this is buggy. And um, if you're having problems with this tool, just go back and test something the next day uh, because it seems to me that it could be a bit of a bug. Our next tip is from Summer. Um, Summer is our newest employee and uh, Summer is um, organizing so much of our social media. Uh, actually, I think Summer is, um, Summer. if you're seeing comments from me in the chat, it's actually Summer at this point. And uh, so thank you, Summer, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, Summer's tip is one that we actually include in all of our reports and it sounds like a silly thing. Uh, awesomeness is a ranking factor. John Mueller, um, whenever he's asked about ranking factors, you know, there are certain things that Google has said are ranking factors. Um, and there are so many things that people guess are ranking factors. Uh, but John has said this in one form or another many, many times, that in order for your website, uh, for Google to want to rank your website well, it truly has to be the best of its kind. I was at a conference once a few years ago where Jake Bolhall was speaking and he asked people for a show of hands and he said, how many of you would like to rank number one for your queries? Of course everybody put their hands up. And then he said, how many of you have the best site for those queries? And like two people had their hands up. Um, and I think in the past as SEOs, we've been able to take mediocre content. And if you SEO it enough, you can make it rank well. And that's getting harder and harder to do. So this is a really good tip. It's, it's a tough one to implement. <laughs> um, but if you can really focus on truly being the best, that eventually comes around. And Google really should reward that type of thing. Next tip is from uh, from Andrew, and um, Andrew has worked on. Uh, if you see, if you think that I've gotten much better at producing memes on Twitter, it's not me. <laughs> it's mostly Andrew. Um, he's uh, he's great at uh, he's our meme master for sure. Um, Andrew, uh, and this is something I actually didn't know that Andrew used to be um, a Flash developer, and so uh, he's got information in here. This is again related to mobile first indexing. If you have Flash content on your website. It's going to make it so that you either can't be moved to mobile first indexing, or I think at some point, you know, when Google moves all sites, that content is not going to uh, uh, to work um, in terms of being ranked. And so uh, speaking of flash content, I don't know how much I want to give away, but we have a funny uh, video game. We'll talk about that in a minute. That'll be a, a good thing. And our final tip um, was just an interesting thing to watch. Some of you probably remember a few months ago, there was a thing where um, a company called the North Face actually hijacked Wikipedia uh, and broke their terms of service, which we don't recommend. 
uh, and got um, a Wikipedia mention that was, you know, it was not legit. Um, but so many news outlets wrote about this and linked to that company. So we're not saying go out there and, and uh, break people's terms of service, but what we are saying is do cool things. Like, do something that's just different. Uh, don't do the same thing that everybody else does, um, but do things to actually legitimately get people talking about your company, uh, and that can really help gener generate some links as well. So I want to jump to this next uh, part because this is where we're going to make a little bit of an announcement. We're making some changes in Marie Haynes Consulting. Um, we've already made some changes. It used to be just me, and now we've got eight of us. Uh, and we've really uh, moved away from it just being just about me. <laughs> um, and so this whole team of people uh, behind me, which I'll, I'll get the camera uh, back on in just a minute, um, is really, really a fantastic group. And we spend... Every morning we talk about what has Google done, how can we help our clients, and if there's a change, we'll say, hey, maybe this will help um, you know, this particular client here. And so we want to be uh, sort of rebranding ourselves as a group of consultants and not just a team that's working with Marie Haynes. Um, so we've been working with Kickpoint. Uh, this is the company that um, is run by Dana DiTomaso, and uh, Kickpoint is going to be making a new website for us. So we're in the early stages at, of this, and I'd like to just announce our new logo. So um, we noticed when the uh, the logo <laughs> the logo designs were given to us that this was very Pac-Man like and I like that because some of you know that I was uh, that I do a lot of um, video gaming and Pac-Man was one of my first games but that's not the whole reason. Um, we'll go into more details about why we've chosen this as our logo. Uh, we do have a fun little um, thing that uh, that you guys can do if you want to um, play this Pac-Man game. So this is something that Andrew uh, has developed. It's on our Wix site, which some of you know we are um, uh, in this Wix competition. I'm not going to go into great detail about that right now, but there is a game there that you can play, and there is a secret uh, that you can find. And that's all I'm going to say. If you read newsletter, you will probably find the secret. Um, and I'm curious to see who the first person is that's going to find the secret. Uh, let's do our giveaway um, now. So we're going to do just a quick giveaway. We've been trying to get newsletter subscribers. And I've just realized that I don't have the names in front of me. OK. All right. And uh, you're probably going to switch to seeing not a very great screen here. So um, Aaron Rains, thank you. Aaron Rains is a paid subscriber for us. You are now upgraded to a lifetime subscription. And Chuck, I don't have your last name. Chuck from Columbia. Hopefully we don't have a couple of Chucks from Columbia. We'll be reaching out to you. Uh, we have your email address. Uh, a free subscriber that we're going to upgrade to paid. Um, and let's see here. OK, I think we will finish. Um, with that because I've messed up my slides. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, so let's see if we can switch this over to my camera. I think that'll switch in just a second for you. And uh, we'll get into some questions. Um, let me just do my setting here. And we'll see. I have not been paying attention to the chat. OK, Summer has. <laughs> and let's see here. Oh my gosh. Okay. Are you seeing my face now? Yes. Okay, you are. All right, great. Good stuff. Hang on here, guys. I have somehow lost. 
All right, I don't have the questions, Summer. <laughs> okay, thank you. Sorry guys, we'll be, get this in just a minute. The joys of, uh, there we go, okay. Joys of live broadcasts. All right, so Summer, maybe um, if new questions come up in the chat that are uh, really good ones for us to answer, if you can just pop them in the document for me and then I'll, I'll cover those as well. Um, I don't know how much we'll, uh, we'll get through here. We have a lot of questions on EAT and uh, we're trying to figure out whether this is something we should do on a regular basis. I don't know if I can handle the stress of a live broadcast on a regular basis, but we may do a recorded version of this. Um, let's see, what ranking signals correlate with EAT? So there, I actually have a, a direct anchor, answer for this. Google's documentation on um, uh, how they fight fake news and disinformation um, actually tells us and um, trust can correlate to EAT. Uh, and that, um, or sorry, PageRank correlates directly to trust and authority. Uh, and that's important. So PageRank uh, comes to this whole idea of how we want to get links from authoritative websites. Um, and so, yeah, they, they correlate with that. Um, what people ask all the time is how can we measure whether our EAT is improving? And really the only way that we know to do that is to determine uh, whether you're seeing improvements in conjunction with a core algorithm update. Uh, and so um, core algorithm updates, the latest one that we had was June 3rd of uh, this year. We had uh, March 12th before that, September 27th before that, and August 1st. I don't think I've missed any there. Um, it's been a while since we've had, um, you know, a core update, a few months at least. Now, Google has said that if your site um, is going to see improvements because of quality issues, you probably have to wait until there's a core update again. Um, so try uh, to see recovery after an algorithm hit with a core update. Then, um, then uh, it's something that um, it's going to take some time. You're going to wait and see uh, that there was uh, an update, and then hopefully you'll be able to see those uh, changes. Um, let's see here. Question. EAT discussions often focus on YMYL examples, but much of the web is amateur informational content, uh, history, sports, hobbies, etc. Interested in your thoughts on how EAT might be used here where the author might not even be obvious. So the quality raters guidelines actually talk about that, and that's actually one of the changes that came to be in the most recent quality raters guidelines that um, not everything is YMYL, and EAT, we think that EAT is only applicable for YMYL queries. It's not that your entire site is viewed as YMYL, but maybe topics are. Um, and so if you uh, write on a health topic, then that topic is definitely YMYL. If you write on a topic, let's say you have a poetry blog, it's unlikely that that's something that is going to help people make a life-changing decision. And so EAT is probably not so much of a factor. Um, what we think is, uh, and this is um, written in the article that we just published on scientific consensus. There was a theory that, uh, and I don't even think it was a theory, it was from a conversation. So, and, and I want to point out that this was something that somebody wrote uh, as a result of a conversation. So we don't know that this is 100% for sure. Um, but the way that Google's algorithms probably work is that they, there are many, many factors. So we've said, you know, there's over 200 ranking factors. Perhaps there are more. Um, there probably are more. Each one of those factors is probably multiplied together 
in order to come up with a final score in terms of quality. Now, one of those factors is probably trust. And we think that trust has so many components. It could be the trust of your links. It could be whether Google trusts that you're in line with scientific consensus. Um, there are many things. We ha if you go to mariehaines.com slash trust, you'll actually find an article on the September 27th update that goes into great detail uh, on all of the trust things that could happen. So let's say that you have this score and your score puts you in the place to be the number one ranked site. Um, but then Google says, wait a second, this is a YMYL query. This is a keyword where somebody searching for this is looking for information that is going to drastically or going to in some way change their lives or allow them to spend money. Then um, Google will, will factor into this trust factor. And maybe, you know, maybe it's stronger for EAT. Maybe it's not there for sites that um, are not YMYL. So let's say that their trust factor is like, oh, we're not sure that we can trust this site. Um, it could be a decimal multiplier. And then what happens is all of a sudden your score is so low that you can't rank for those YMYL queries. Um, we have had a couple of sites that have come to us with drops in conjunction with core updates that maybe we didn't think were YMYL, but I would say probably, you know, the vast majority are YMYL. All right. I knew this link, this question was coming. For affiliates, uh, okay, so this is talking about um, the rel equals no followed, the rel sponsored, uh, the rel equals user generated content. For affiliates, does this mean that all of your external links to merchant sites such as Amazon should be rel equals sponsored? I think the answer to that is yes. What Google, although somebody asked uh, this of Danny Sullivan, and Danny's answer on Twitter was, I'm not so sure on the answer to that. Let me let Gary get back to you. And then Gary Ish tweeted saying, I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I don't claim to have the exact answer to this if, if both Gary and, and Danny don't have the answer. Um, I think that from this point forward, uh, when we have sponsored links, we will probably tag them with rel equals sponsored. Uh, like if we're linking out to an affiliate partner, we don't have a lot of those on our website. We have a few though. Um, I don't think I'm going to go back and change past ones that we have as no followed. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any negative to you as the publisher um, linking out to Amazon if that's a no followed link and it doesn't say sponsored. I, I don't know. Um, so I think this is one of those things where, you know, we'll have to see what Google says about this. Um, and I, it's, it's a very much an it depends uh, answer. Um, let's see here. Do you think that nofollow can help with crawl budget as well? Robots is better, uh, but there is a reason we can't employ that in our specific case. Okay, so um, a lot of people used nofollow uh, to optimize your crawl budget. And the idea was, let's say you had a section of your site that was a forum that wasn't supposed to be in the index. Um, and every time you link to the forum, you're like, there's no point in Google crawling these, you know, 200,000 pages of our forum, so we're going to no follow so Google doesn't get there and crawl it. Um, Google has said that that's not going to work anymore. And I can't remember, uh, they said there's part of this that's already in effect, and I think that's the part that comes into effect in March of 2020. Um, and so if... Um, yeah, you, you don't want to be using nofollow to protect crawl budget. Um, you can still use disallows in your robots.txt. You can't use nofollow in robots.txt. I think some people used to use it in the past, and Gary Ish just tweeted today that that never was uh, honored by Google. Um, so, yeah, I think um, uh, that's good there. Um, Summer, if you can leave the, uh, the question I'm answering on, that will help me. Yeah, perfect. Okay, uh, and then let's see. Do you think... 
this will prompt large sites with guest post contributors like Huffington Post or BuzzFeed to add user-generated content instead of nofollow to guest post links? That's a really good question. So if you have a, you know, that, I've never considered that. That's really good, right? Like, if you have a site that has a whole bunch of guest posts, if, oh, yeah, if you make all the links on that guest post, Gosh, if they're sponsored, you would make them sponsored. But let's say I write a guest post for Moz. It's been a while since I've done that. I probably should do that soon. Um, if I write a guest post for Moz, I think you could mark that as user-generated content. And Google actually had something in the blog post on this uh, change basically saying um, that you might want to say mark all of your comments as user-generated content. And then if you actually really trust one of the commenters on your website, you could remove that UGC. So let's say again, I wrote a post for Moz and I have some links to my own website in there. Moz, it could be up to their discretion to say, you know what, I think we're just gonna mark all of these as user-generated so that Google doesn't think we're linking out uh, or that we're selling links or something like that. Um, I think it would still be fine to mark them as no-followed, but Moz doesn't no-follow links from within their posts. So, you know, this could be an option for them. And then they might have something where they say, well, you know, Marie Haynes has written for us, we trust her, uh, the links here are not commercial in nature, and so we're going to remove the UGC tag uh, from that link. It's a really good question, and I, I I think that's something that will emerge um, as we have more discussion on this. Next, um, I've done a few sponsored posts. Should I go back out and change my nofollow to sponsored? That's interesting. I've been looking at this as from the point of the person who published that post. But yeah, so let's say you wrote uh, an article for a website and it was sponsored, which is totally fine. Um, as long as you're not doing it for the pay drink that comes from there. Uh, and so should you be changing it to sponsored? I think there's no harm in doing it. And actually, yeah, I would be surprised. I mean, let's say it stays as no followed um, and doesn't get changed to sponsored. I don't think Google's going to come in and penalize you and say, oh, you've been very clearly trying to make links to manipulate your rankings because they're no followed. Um, Personally, I don't think you need to go back, uh, but that's just my opinion, uh, and that may change. I feel like I'm going to have to write sort of an update. This will be a newsletter uh, most likely in the future. We'll write an update post on uh, uh, all questions like this when we get some answers on those. Would creating a Wikipedia page for our business help us gain a knowledge graph in the SERPs? Well, certainly. If you so the knowledge graph or the no, I think what you mean is a knowledge panel. Um, when you see down the side of the the search results, um, there's a knowledge panel that says, you know, here's this business. Like if I do a search for IBM, they're going to have their own knowledge panel, and a lot of that information is pulled from um, uh, Wikipedia and other databases like that. So yes, if you can create a Wikipedia page, you can probably get a knowledge. Panel. The thing is, it's not easy to create a Wikipedia page. Um, I mean, I have some recognition in the industry of SEO, and I would imagine that if I tried to tried to create a Wikipedia page for myself, it would get denied. Um, the The community at Wikipedia is really, really tough on self promotion, um, and so you really can only create a Wikipedia page if you truly have EAT. I don't, I don't think Wikipedia uses you know EAT as that exact metric in, in any way, but if you're already recognized as an authoritative brand, uh, then you probably can create a Wikipedia page, and you should if you uh, are able to do that. Um, okay, let's move on here. How important should you, how much attention should you pay to optimizing the crawl path budget on a site with 150,000 URLs? 
Uh, it depends on who you ask. This is very much an it depends um, answer. If you ask Google, they will say that crawl budget really doesn't matter unless you have millions of URLs on your site. Um, we still think that you should be doing everything you can to point Google to the most important parts of your site. Um, with that said, Google's pretty good at figuring out, like in that example where I gave where there's a forum, let's say you had a forum that really isn't your best content. I mean, first of all, you should be fixing that. Uh, we have all sorts of um, recommendations for our clients on how to uh, make your forums so that only the good content gets indexed. Um, but if you have, um, you know, 150,000 URLs that are sort of low quality, uh, should you be optimizing the crawl path? I would say, look, if it's not um, high quality, you should have a no index tag on it, and then you should uh, disallow it in robots.txt so that Google's not spending time crawling it. Um, that said, you know, it's probably not going to make a massive difference for a site with 150,000 URLs unless uh, those URLs are super low quality or there's, you know, some other issues there I'm not aware of. Um, move on here. Okay, I think, I think we're through the, the questions. All right, great. Well, this was a lot of fun. Um, I'm so sorry for all of the technical hip, hiccups. Any of you who do YouTube Live will know that they've changed the whole system. So we're going to evaluate uh, whether we're going to keep doing this because I think um, short of the technical hiccups, this was fun. I, I really enjoy doing this. I enjoy getting your questions. Um, was there anything else, guys, that we needed to, to bring up? I think we've we've got everything covered yeah yeah we're good all right thank you everybody if you are a newsletter subscriber um, I really really appreciate it uh, if you've been thinking about upgrading to become a paid subscriber uh, then now is the time to do it I, I think there's a good chance that we're gonna make it in the future so that um, you won't be able to see all of the content from the first uh, original episode uh, we've got some changes coming up for newsletter as well uh, where we're gonna be changing um, the design of it, a number of things and again our website is gonna be uh, uh, changing as well. So there's very exciting times. If you are going to be at PubCon in Vegas coming up, my entire team is going to be with me. We will have a booth in the exhibit hall. And so if you have questions about your website, about quality, about your link quality, then come to PubCon, find us, and we'd be more than happy to, uh, um, to answer your questions for you. So thank you, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. <laughs>